welcome back. I want to thank everybody for joining us today. If you're new to the podcast and you found us on the internet, nice to have you here. If you've um, been referred by somebody else, I want to thank you and the people who referred you for being here. And if you're just an old listener that likes to email me and uh, listen to these podcasts, uh, it's glad to have you back. We're going to have a good time today. It's a short one. This is going to be a little bit more about just some basic education and understanding about certain uh, topics related to initial claims, acceptance, and denials. So, pull up a chair, get your pen and paper out, and uh, let's uh, let's get our coffee going, and um, let's talk about initial claim and acceptance. Okay. First of all, welcome to Federal Workers' Compensation Coffee Break Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Taylor. I'm a Federal Workers' Compensation Consultant. Have been for 27 years. This is a uh, coffee break format where we discuss all sorts of topics related to OWCP and FECA Act and the Department of Labor and Longshoremen, Department of Energy, DOD, VA, and any other type of federal workers' compensation. We do this in a short coffee break format where we discuss common topics related to things like filing an appropriate claim, your rules, provisions, rights, responsibilities, and we cover it and give tips on how to successfully navigate federal workers' comp to assist you with your federal workers' injury claim. So today we're going to talk about initial claim acceptance and denials. We'll go over some basic terminology and understanding some do's and don'ts. So if you're going through the process of trying to get something approved or denied, um, we're going to talk about the ins and outs of what they're saying if you get something in the mail or uh, what they've given you if it's not a full approval and what to do about it. So as always, we're going to start things off by uh, getting our coffee going. So I'm going to get mine while you get yours and get you a pen and paper together so you can take some notes. And uh, let's get started. So, initial claims acceptance. All right, let's talk about initial claims acceptance. In, when the Office of Workers' Compensation Programs has determined, okay, that there is sufficient factual and medical evidence to accept your claim, a formal decision will be issued which explains which conditions were accepted as rising out of the claimed work-related factors. All right? For instance, where medical evidence establishes that a pre-existing condition was aggravated, an aggravation should be accepted, not the underlying condition itself. So if you're just riddled with old age arthritis and then you aggravate in that body area and they're going to say, oh, you're riddled with old age arthritis, you can, you can come back and say, yes, but it, my work-related activities aggravated my arthritis. And that could be accepted. But the underlying arthritis condition will not be accepted. They'll just accept the aggravation as the diagnosis. Now, those of you that see chiropractors, you guys know that I'm also a chiropractor, that uh, there are some things to remember here on your claim acceptance, okay? Subluxation of the spine can be accepted only if x-rays resulting show the subluxation are available. A chiropractor's interpretation of the x-ray is acceptable. But you have to understand that a chiropractor can only give the diagnosis in federal, not the real world. In the real world, they're doctors, they can diagnose anything like everybody else. They're just trained in natural medicine. They, in federal, they can only diagnose the subluxation because the language is like 50 to 60 years old and they can do it with an x-ray they can order and interpret and they can fill out your ca forms that that's your only diagnosis but if you need a diagnosis that's more expansive like uh, a lumbar disc herniation for example 
then you're going to need it. You're going to have to have an MD or DO do that for you. You don't. You can't just use a chiropractor as your treating doctor if you want to have an expanded diagnosis. You have to have a medical opinion. Also, asbestosis. Okay, common diagnosis with exposure CA2 claims can be accepted only with full range of findings as required by Chapter 3-600 in the Federal Employees' Compensation Act Procedure Manual. And I'm going to tell you, there's a lot to cover on that, that section. So what I would advise you to do is go read the Chapter 3, Section 600 of the DFEC Procedure Manual, manual if you're filing an asbestos claim. Okay, That's probably a whole podcast by itself. All right, now, an initial claim acceptance whether the claim is a traumatic injury or an occupational disease, that's a CA1 versus a CA2, the same criteria needs to be established. In traumatic injury cases with resulting disability, that means that your injury caused you to miss work and you're unable to work for a period of time, it could be days to years, continuation of pay should be authorized unless one of the nine reasons to controvert COP have been established. Remember, we did a whole podcast on just that section alone on COP and controversion of COP. Now, in either type of case, CA1 or CA2, okay, occupational illness and uh, injury or a traumatic injury with resulting disability, the claimant, you, should be notified of placement into disability management or QCM and the purpose of the QCM program. Now, I get a lot of questions about this. I'm gonna go into a little detail about this for a second, okay? The QCM program is vocational rehab in a nutshell. This is a disability management program to attempt to reduce disability numbers and attempt reemployment by asking your treating doctor or a second opinion doctor to refer a currently disabled federal worker to a suitable training program for the injured worker and formal determination of wage earning capacity following the vocational services. The purpose of the OWCP rehabilitation program is to assist, okay, federal disabled employees who are covered by the Federal Employees Compensation Act and the Longshore and Harbor Workers' Compensation Act to minimize their disability or return to gainful employment. Now, injured workers who are no longer able to return to their original employer, there's nothing that your previous employer has for you based on your ability physically to work. So you're disabled to go back to that job. And uh, you're on permanent long-term disability or temporary disability from things like major surgery, etc and you do not have a job to go back to, you can choose and you can be referred to be retrained or assessed to be trained to go back to gainful employment with job opportunities that the federal, uh, the, the disabled federal worker can perform with their current disability that prevents them from going back to their original employer. This vocational retraining placement, QCM program, is only for federal workers and jobs where disability does not prevent them from competing with non-disabled employees. But you have to be physically, um, you have to find a physical match with your disability. And they're out there, but they're not easy to find. I'll probably go into this more detail in a future podcast. So moving on to more information about your initial acceptance of your claim, okay? I want you to understand that additional conditions is probably my most common email. Additional conditions I don't know if you heard the plane going over, but I've got planes buzzing me today. Additional conditions is probably the most common one that I get emails about. Expansions. We call them in, in, the, in, the, in the business of OWCP, we call them expansions. Okay, so this is a part you want to take notes on. 
If either your physician or you indicate that the accepted conditions require expansion or modification, can okay, remember this is you got an initial claim acceptance. That's what we're talking about. OWCP should request a detailed explanation as to how you want to add additional conditions and how the additional conditions are related to the original injury or resulting residuals. All right, let's do, give an example. Let's say you get a right knee injury, you file your appropriate paperwork and claim, you get an acceptance letter that's an initial claim acceptance, but you notice the right knee injury, for example, let's choose the right knee, pull it out of, you know, as an example, that when they accept your claim, they also only put down the minimal diagnosis of a contusion or sprain from the very first day you were seen at the hospital where these doctors usually use general, very non-specific diagnosis and then you end up in a doctor's office where they have more definitive exams, orthopedic training, or they do diagnostic tests, and they find out that your sprain actually is, say, for example, a meniscus tear. The meniscus tear would then need to be added as part of your accepted condition that you just got an initial claims acceptance letter on, and that would require what's called an expansion. So it's important to understand that for expansions, there's some do's and don'ts here to be successful. Claims for consequential conditions should be referred to the district medical advisor for review. I want you to remember that because that's one of the most important things you're gonna learn today. Most people don't do this correctly. Okay, so I'm gonna give you some tips on how to expand your injured area or to expand your diagnosis to be more extensive and accurate diagnosis. That's what we call extent of injury expansion. Have your doctor, okay, do an expansion diagnosis or area of injury, you know, if you want to have additional body areas or additional more extensive injuries, you have to have him do a narrative report and call it a narrative report, and it has to include a causality statement how this more extensive or more added on diagnosis is a consequential injury uh, that needs to be added to the compensable injuries, okay? And it has to be done in a narrative report. Now, what's really important is the next step. I want you to place a cover sheet with the medical narrative asking for the listed additional consequential injuries be added or expanded, okay? And it has to be on that cover sheet that you are requesting that the district medical advisor or we also call them affectionately the DMA. You'll see them listed DMA on a lot of letters from OWCP. It's a medical person who's a medical provider who is you're requesting to review your submitted expansion diagnosis or area of injury narrative. Remember, the claims examiner is not trained medically, so they're a lay person who doesn't have an educated eye of discernment to decide whether or not your expansion is valid. They're always gonna say no, and they're gonna give you some curt answer like, well, I just don't think there's enough uh, information here. We need more additional information. But if you ask the medical advisor, then you're gonna have a medical narrative being read by a medical trained person. And that's always going to be a better chance for you to be accepted because it's medical to medical. Now, if you only upload the medical narrative without a cover sheet, asking for the DMA to review your uh, narrative, your claims examiner will either not know what this report is, just think it's another report from your doctor and not read it, because we all know they mostly don't read them, or they're going to purposefully ignore it if they do read it because they can, okay? Because you didn't say what you wanted 
to be done other than expand it and they just go well I'm not gonna do that and then you never get an answer or you get some letter months later where they say well I'm still gonna deny it for not enough medical evidence and you got a three-page letter explaining with lots of medical evidence you got to get this information to the right audience submit your cover sheet with a request for the DMA to review it that's a common denial tactic by claims examiners all right it's important if you want to be successful with expanding your diagnosis to be accurate or definitive. All right. So on the topics we just went over, let's review for a second. Remember, when OWCP has determined there is sufficient factual and medical evidence to accept the claim in a claims acceptance letter, the formal decision will be issued which explains which conditions were accepted. That's the conditions that they say we're going to accept as of now that have arisen because of your claimed factors you submitted. Okay, we went over the subluxation of the spine only being accepted if a chiropractor interprets the x-ray. And in traumatic injuries with resulting disability, there's continuation of pay that should be authorized unless one of the nine reasons to controvert COP have been established. Now remember, we did a podcast on COP. I'll go over this real briefly. COP is a continuance of your regular pay for a period not to exceed 45 calendar days of disability. That means the workers' comp doesn't pay you the first 45 days if you checked off the COP box on your CA1 or CA2. Now, an employee agency's objection to paying COP for one of nine reasons uh, by regulations is called controversion. We went over this in that podcast. I'm gonna do it real briefly here. COP may be controverted only if one of the following applies. Disability is a result of occupational disease or illness. Uh, your claimant status as an employee is defined and is met. Okay, employee is neither a citizen nor resident of the U.S. or Canada. Injury occurred off of the employee agency's premises and the employee was not engaged in official off-premises duties. The injury resulted from the employee's willful misconduct. The employee's intention to bring about the injury or death of himself, herself, or another person, or the employee's intoxication by alcohol or drugs. Injury is not reported on a form approved by OWCP within 30 days following the injury. You can have COP controverted. Work stoppage first occurred more than 45 days after the injury. Employee reports injury after employment was terminated. And lastly, of the nine reasons, employees enrolled in Civil Air Patrol, Peace Corps, or other group covered by special legislation. So to remember, if either the physician or claimant indicates that the accepted conditions require expansion or modification, OWCP will request a detailed explanation in the form of a medical narrative as to how the additional conditions are related to the original injury or resulting residuals. If medical evidence establishes that a pre-existing condition was aggravated, OWCP will, think about this for a second, will accept what? The aggravation of the condition, the pre-existing condition, or both the pre-existing condition and the aggravation. It's only going to cover the aggravation of the condition and not the pre-existing condition itself. Okay, The five basic criteria needed to be met when accepting either a CA1 traumatic injury or occupational disease, CA2, is it the same or is it different? Well, of course, it's the same. So you have to meet the same five basic elements no matter what type of CA1 or CA2 or CA2A claim you're filing. All right, let's talk about burden of proof. The burden of proof 
the claimant has the burden to establish the components of his or her claim. That means that it's not up to your doctor to prove it. Your doctor can assist you with proving it, but the burden is up to you, the individual worker claimant. All right, but remember, OWCP is not a disinterested arbiter. Okay, OWCP shares the responsibility to establish a claim if prima facie evidence has been established, but you've got to get that evidence provided in the eComp portal. If OWCP denies initial claim, let's talk about the denial. If a formal denial will be issued, the decision should have in the formal denial the following. It should first describe the nature of the injury. It should summarize the evidence initially submitted with the claim and provide an explanation as to why it was deficient. It should summarize what was requested upon development. It should describe all evidence received after de development and explain why the evidence is insufficient to support the claim. So this is a common denial summaries that are, are going to be sent to you in a letter form, either in e-comp or in the mail or both. So let's remember a few things about claim denials. You have the burden to establish the components of your claim, not your doctor, you. You need a medical narrative and a causality statement, but it's your responsibility to provide this information to OWCP claims examiner. Also, OWCP does share in its responsibility to um, establish a claim if you submit the evidence through ECOM. A denial decision will describe which of the five basic elements have or have not been met. And it's important to know the difference. The specific element, whether it's one, two, three, four, or five, which the claim is being denied, you need a, a clear discussion in your response of the necessary evidence to support why that claim denial is not accurate or valid. Now you will receive a denial letter that's either mailed to you or is placed in ecom. It's important. That's why I did a whole podcast on ecom that you set up an ecom account. This is why I always tell you guys set up an ecom account, set it up because you will receive OWCP responses much quicker in ecom than in regular mail. Okay, so let me ask you another couple of questions here to see if you're paying attention. If prima facie evidence has been submitted, who has the burden to establish the five basic elements of a claim? Okay, is it you? Is it your doctor? Is it the employee and agency? Is it the Office of Workers' Comp? Easy answer. It's always your personal responsibility, not anybody else's. All formal denials must include an attached page that explains all the different types of appeals and your rights to appeals and how to do that. <clears throat> we covered this in another podcast. You always want to sign that appeal letter. Designate which of the three types of appeals, your oral hearing, ECAB hearing, or reconsideration that you choose, and you have to sign that and send it back to your claims examiner, or they'll never review any evidence you submit with your doctor unless you submit that you're disputing the denial. Okay? Now, this is, this is the podcast today. This is what I wanted to cover. I want you to understand basics. Okay? This is basics. And what I mean by that is that I want you to understand what you have to do when you get a claim accepted, and it's a partial acceptance that we just talked about, and it needs to be expanded. I also want you to know what to look for and do you personally in order to get a denial okay, accepted. Because everybody asks me these questions in emails and in my office, and I want you to understand that if you don't understand the basics, what we're talking about today is the basics. 
you're going to struggle with getting things approved or moving forward. And these, these mistakes will cost you months and months and months of denials. Okay? All right. I think that'll do it for this episode of Federal Workers Comp Coffee Break Podcast. I appreciate you guys. And uh, I want to thank you. Thank you. And I uh, want to remind you to share this podcast with other federal workers you think would benefit from the uh, free information that I put out. Um, also, if you think others would benefit from them, you can refer them. If you uh, need an approved medical provider for your DOL, OWC, or Longshore case in Florida, you can find me in Tampa at two different locations and in Jacksonville and Sarasota. If you want to make a consult with me to discuss your case, or if you know someone in Florida who's recently injured, you can call the clinic at 813-877-6900. Now also, if you're in another state and you want me to assist you with claims and questions or assistance for your doctor, you can email me at fedcompconsultants, okay, that's plural, at protonmail.com. I do this for free as a service to you. I know that I cannot be everywhere, and sometimes you need to teach this stuff to your doctor, and I don't mind helping Okay? Alright. I need to warm up this coffee and get going. So as usual, I want to thank all of you for listening. And I also want to give a big thank you to all of y'all out there who put on that uniform, that badge, deliver that mail, take care of our veterans, and make this government run. A big thank you. I know how tough that job is working for the government. I'm married to a government employee. I do this for free just for you. So remember, we couldn't do this without all the hard work all of you guys out there do. So this is my big thank you to you guys. And remember, if you have an injured federal claim and you need assistance, I'm here to help. All right, see you next time. Off to get my next cup of coffee for the next time we get together. See you next time, guys. Thanks for joining.